My name is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips, success strategies, and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now, please do like, share, and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening, and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. My guest today is John Verge. He is the CEO of Golden Lane Housing and has worked for the UK Learning Disability Housing Association, set up by Mencap for 20 years. I'm thrilled to have him on the show and I can't wait to see what he's got in store for us. John, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. How are you today? I'm very well and I'm delighted to be here, Angela, speaking to you today. And we've just been laughing, haven't we? Because we're both on lockdown and wondering whether kids will be wandering in or cats or wives or husbands. So who knows what will happen? Absolutely. We will go with it. Yeah. <laughs> and how are you managing on lockdown so far? I've really tried to take some of the real benefits from being in lockdown with my family. I do a lot of travelling as part of my, my working week. And I've just been uh, really enjoying spending more time with the family, uh, evening walks, uh, more regular evening meals. So I, I'm taking that advantage. Obviously, it's it's difficult for the family, particularly uh, my youngest uh, son, Freddie, who's just turned 12. In fact, he had his birthday oh. under lockdown. We were supposed to be in Florida, but instead we, uh, oh. we had a... We had a day walk. We had an hour walking around the local uh, nature reserve, uh, so it wasn't quite the same. But uh, uh, we, we've taken that as a as a real benefit from from the lockdown. Um, yeah, there's lots of things to be grateful for, isn't there? And despite the the challenges that it's bringing, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm with you. Take the wins. Yeah. And and sort of talking about wins, one of the things that we do first on the podcast is what I like to call a shake your pom-poms moment. So this is all about you being able to be your own cheerleader. We don't do this often enough, in my view. And so I would be really grateful if you'd share with us your three proudest moments. You're absolutely right. We're not very good, uh, particularly as uh, British people, of uh, being cheerleaders. But my reflections are very much my family. I'm really proud of not just my family, but actually watching them grow up. And that's, that's mm. a real delight. When I became CEO of Golden Lane Housing um, two years ago now, nearly, uh, after being with the organisation for 18 years, uh, that, wow. that was such a, such a proud moment for, for me personally. Uh, and uh, yes, I'll uh, just just so proud of that. Uh, and I guess my third uh, proudest moment, um, and it was the, the end of a a really intense three years at uh, Warwick Business School. I, I did a, an executive MBA there. And whilst, in a sense, doing the MBA was uh, was a proud uh, moment, it was actually the graduation and being there with my my wife and my mum my and dad 
all three have supported me, not just uh, during the time of uh, the NBA, but you know, throughout my my career. Uh, and and as my mum would remind me, helped me through my O levels. So uh, that that was a that was a really real proud moment. And that, that was seven years ago now. Uh, and I, I and I made some really great uh, friends from around the world because I'm very much a people person. So was. It was great to to do that. The learning around uh, uh, finance, economics, yeah. service management, all, all the modules that I did, uh, modelling. I mean, that that was great for the from the learning perspective. But actually, to 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 meet people from across the world, from private as well as public sector, was 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 just an absolute delight. And uh, it's great to keep in touch with them through, you know, social media and, and other and other means. I mean, that must have been really tricky to to fit in something as demanding as an MBA whilst, you know, working in an organisation. I'm guessing you were at a senior level at that stage. Yeah, yeah, How yeah. did you balance that with being um, a dad and a husband and everything else? Yeah, well, when I started, Freddie uh, just turned two. <laughs> uh, so I think, I, I suppose my answer to that is, how did we as a family kind of deal with it? Because without the support of my wife and, and in a sense, my children, mm. I, I, I don't think I would have been able to do it as successfully as I did. So I, I think that's that's the first thing to say is just the family support. The other thing I did is is I got far more organised and, <laughs> and I kind of take it to this day. Uh, and some of the things that frustrate me sometimes with people is when they're not organised, because I yes. think, you know, you know, if you're given a deadline, you're asked to do something. If if you organise yourself, you you can achieve you can achieve it, uh, and that's very much what I did. So I, I very much organised organised my my week outside my working hours and my weekends to to fit in um, my my college work, and that would mean you know doing reading at certain early parts of the day, or or when I was away, you know making best use of my time in uh, in hotels. Um, yeah. when I was away in the evening. And then I, I basically worked every other weekend. So it was almost saying, right, this is a weekend I'm going to do college work, but this is going to be family time. And, and very much get into that, trying to, where I could, switch off between work through uh, college work, but also, you know, having that family time and, and, and my own personal time, uh, which obviously was limited, but I still made sure that I, I got some of my own time, whether that was um, going to the movies or spending time with, with friends. But uh, yeah, it, it was um, busy times, uh, but I, I, I learned a lot from it. I learned a lot from it. And you'd set the intention, I suppose, to make it happen. And so we do that, don't we? If we set an intention that we want something badly enough, you can kind of find the time, carve it out to make sure yes. that you get there. Um, and, and obviously you had that winning moment then right at the end to be able to make your parents and your wife and yourself really proud, which is yeah. lovely to hear. Now, you also mentioned in there that obviously you've managed to work your way up through through the company and become the CEO. And and I'm really keen to hear a little bit more about your career and how that's progressed and and just what that that's meant really in terms of getting all the way up to the top. Yes. Well, I, I guess the first thing to say is I, I never expected to be in a position of uh, CEO of a housing association. Now, my 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 dream when I was eight nine years old was to be a cartoonist. So really? Yeah, absolutely. I used to get on my bike when I was about eight, nine, ten years old, go up to the newsagent, get my, my weekly comic, and then I'd spend most of my waking hours, if I wasn't doing schoolwork or playing football with friends, uh, 
of doing cartoons. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a cartoonist. And, and in, in many ways, and this is why I was really grateful for my parents, they've always been supportive in whatever I, I've wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So after my A-levels, I actually did go to uh, art college uh, and do graphic design. And uh, uh, I could well have gone on and done graphic design or, or uh, computer graphics, but I had a bit of a sort of, uh, I wrote, wrote a domestic moment when I felt actually I was a people person. Yeah. And and actually, when you're an artist or a graphic designer, it's quite a solitude job and a role, I think. So so I decided that actually I want to do something else. So I actually did a geography degree. And I think it was very much, you know, I was inspired by a geography teacher. So uh, I did in my A-levels as well as art, I did I, another subject was, was geography. And I was very much inspired by by my, my geography teacher. So I went to London and did, did a geography degree. And during that time, I did a community project which involved interviewing elderly residents at a day service in in North London to find out about how their community had changed over the, I guess, the previous 50 years from being living in a kind of village uh, to a a, a large city. And that kind of inspired me about community. And when I left uni, I managed to get myself uh, a housing role. And as soon as I almost started the role I started in homelessness it just really just chimed with me I knew it was something I always wanted to do and I was just lucky I mean I say luck I you know I worked hard I I moved to Exeter from Swansea where I was where I was brought up went to school went to Exeter to 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 take on a role where they sent me to college in Bristol for for to do a to a to a housing degree so so when I say luck, I, th- I think you make your own luck by you know, <laughs> pushing yourself, working hard, making yeah. some sacrifices along the way. So I had to move away from family and friends in Swansea down to the southwest, where I'm still still based to this day. Um, and you've but, lost your uh, accent as well, haven't you? I never really had an accent. And uh, and to be honest with you, um, it occasionally comes out when I go and watch the rugby <laughs> with, with friends back in uh, Swansea or Cardiff. But uh, no, uh, I've been down here in the in the southwest since 1994 now. Wow. And and you've got the, the job now. So you are sort of the CEO of the company. Tell us a little bit more about that. So what's what's your job involved? Well, we're a specialist housing association, as you mentioned at the beginning, Angela. So we house people across the whole of uh, the UK in supported housing. Uh, people we house have got a learning disability or over in the States an intellectual disability. And we're very much uh, there to provide uh, bespoke housing for those people uh, who want to live independently. Uh, and um, it's, yeah, it's a really rewarding mm. role, demanding role, being national. But, and, and also comes with a with a with a lot of responsibility, both for me and my exec team, but but yeah. also the fantastic um, team that work for for Golden Lane Housing. You know, we we get to know the person, we get to know. You know, we're very much uh, whilst focusing on the bricks and mortar and making sure you know uh, we repair property. Um, we're always thinking about the individual, and we work very closely with their circle of support, their family, mm-hmm. the the people that support and care for them in their own home, uh, siblings. So. We we've been going for twenty years now. So wow. a lot of our lot of our tenants have, have lived in those properties for, for that for that period of time. Um, so when I hear about something that's gone on in a property, it's normally they tell me about the tenant, the tenant's name, and it's very much you know driven driven around the individual, which which makes the current situation and making sure that the, the well being of our tenants at the mm. forefront really important at the moment, giving them their reassurance and 
and just making sure that they're okay during this uh, this lockdown period. Yeah, because some of them must feel like they're family if you've known them for that amount of time. Absolutely, yes. And, and we have housing officers who provide, you know, direct uh, support um, and, uh, you know, they're on first name terms and, and uh, that, that's really important for us. So it definitely sounds like it's rewarding and you've used that word to describe it. What else would you say has driven you to get to where you've got to? Um, I mentioned about pushing myself, um, whether that's pushing myself to do a piece of uh, college work or pushing myself to move to, to have an opportunity. I guess it's because I like a challenge. I, I like to make an impact and I like, you know, the teams that I work with to, to have that impact. So that that's, I guess, that's a key a key driver for mm. me. Um, I guess the other thing is I really like to get the best out of people. Um, I, I can only, in a sense, you know, uh, drive myself if I've got a, t- a team of people working with me with different skill sets, different personalities. Under Underlying all that, though, I think it's um, having the same values. Yeah. Um, I was reflecting the other day uh, when we were looking to recruit somebody for a new role and I did their, as part of their induction, spoke to them via a, a Skype call because we obviously couldn't meet face to face. And mm-hmm. uh, I could just get from from just talking to that person, regardless of their experience, regardless of their uh, current abilities to do the job working for us, actually they had the values that we, we were looking for in the organisation. And, and I guess the other thing on top of values is is that attitude and I and I think that's for me where my drive comes from is, is to have that right attitude and not just a positive attitude but an attitude to succeed you're not always going to succeed but if you go into something wanting to succeed I think you've got a far better chance of, of, of being successful. I love that that take around the values you're actually one of the first people so far on the podcast to pick up on that as a point and and personally I think that that's so important and having the values match with the organization is key because if there's a mismatch it can be really difficult for the individual to show up in the right way and so so taking that point and thinking about your career there's probably been times where it hasn't gone your way because as you said we can't always be successful no. so so when has that happened and and what have you been able to kind of derive from that in terms of personal learning when when things have gone wrong i think it's working on projects um and i i've done a lot of work around helping people move from hospitals and and sometimes you get delays or you get people who perhaps aren't bought in to um a particular project or move and and then that's how you how you respond to that um i think it's very much for me reflecting on how you deal with the situation how you come across in a sense learn from the mistakes so if something has gone wrong or something hasn't gone your way or someone hasn't responded as you thought they <laughs> would have responded it's about some in a sense some kind of uh, self self reflection um I mean, you, you can't control what people think. In the sense of, one thing I have learned is that the only, the only thing, the only, I can only control what I think. You can't control what others think. Um, so it's it's not being too harsh on yourself, but almost just understanding what where, where they were coming from. Um, I think a lot of the issues come from the fact that um, if you have a problem with a project, or you, you, you just perhaps reflect on, did you have the buy-in initially from? Um, yeah. that individual or that that group of uh, members of a team um did everybody understand the objectives from the start 
Um, for me, it normally comes down to people, you know, it, with anything, whether it's a project not working or something happens as a complaint about something, someone hasn't done what they should have done. It comes down to people. It's whether they haven't engaged with what they should have been doing. They perhaps they didn't have the confidence that they could to do what they should have done. Uh, they perhaps didn't have the buying. So it, for me, it all comes down to, to ultimately down to people. You need to give, obviously support them to make sure they've got the right skills and the right information, the right tools. And also for me, feel empowered um, so that they can make decisions and think themselves. So often when things go wrong, haven't gone right for me, I go back to the people. And, and obviously sometimes that, that's self-reflection on how I've, you know, how I've behaved. Maybe, maybe I didn't understand the objectives or maybe I wasn't bought fully into something. Um, yes. Because I think you're driven as an individual, not just in terms of a role, but in a project, you know, to succeed. And so I think that's one of the, the key things that I've, I've learned. Uh, over the years. It's that, it's that reason why, isn't it, as well, in terms of when you talk about projects or anything that you want to get done and you want to take people with you, then being able to understand why it's happening and not just yeah. what's going to happen and how. That's the key, isn't it, for the buy-in. Um, and quite often we can rush straight into that and, and not, not consider that why and not consider how we communicate it to others because we have it up in our heads and it's all good. Oh, absolutely. And you can all, you can very easily rush into um, either a project or trying to resolve a problem by not having a, a clear, you know, just a clear strategy of what, you, you know, an, an objective of what you want to do, the danger of jumping into trying to solve something or the dealing yeah. with the issue can very easily get it wrong. That doesn't mean you take a long time to decide what your objective or your strategy is. I think what we've learned over the last, you know, four weeks, you know, we had to make some quite quick decisions on closing the office, you know, yeah. what what services that we were going to deliver around, you know, keeping both our tenants and our our, our staff safe. So it's having that clear, cool headed uh, decision making that you do quickly, but you make you, you make the right, <laughs> the right decision. And, and as you said earlier as well, be prepared to pivot. So if it isn't going well or there's a mistake, pivoting actually and changing direction, if that's what it's needed. Absolutely. rather than being headstrong and, and keeping focused in the wrong direction. I like that. And and if we were to kind of open that up to adversity and, and any adversity that you faced over the years and, and how that shaped you, what would you have to say about that? I think there's an element, and I've grown in my own self-confidence over the years. I think if I was to talk to a younger John, yeah. <laughs> you know, even in my past school days or even, even as I started my career, uh, I maybe lack the self-confidence, and that's not to get um, cocky or a bit um, overconfident. But I think it's it's your in for me. It's about self-belief, self-belief yeah. in your own views and ideas, and that actually you you know, as long as those views are are based on you know clear evidence and an understanding of a topic matter, topic matter, you should be able to be confident enough to to uh, express that, and you know. I think the other thing for me around adversity is that opportunity to think and reflect um, and finding the time to reflect on when, when you perhaps things aren't going right and or to support your own resilience. I, I have to say I do a lot of that in my travelling across the country, you know, whether that's okay. on a train or driving back 
from our office in Manchester down to Somerset, where I live, um, is some of that self self thinking time. Mm. And, uh, and and I suppose that's one of the challenges at the moment in terms of the the, the lockdown is is making sure you still you still do that. So I'm trying to find the time to do that thinking time, and you know, it just helps with I think my own resilience. Yeah, totally. It's that leaning in, isn't it? What have I learned? How have I felt? What's gone well? What hasn't gone so well? What can I do differently? That type of self-questioning that builds the confidence and the courage to keep going. I can totally relate to that. And and you've just sort of mentioned that ability to tune in and and self-reflect. So I'm guessing that's part of your personal well-being strategy. What other sorts of things do you do to make sure that you keep your mindset in key? Oh, I guess it's time out. From from thinking really, as <laughs> anything. I, can you I, do love, that? I love my music. <laughs> I yeah, uh, I love my music so wherever I possibly can. Uh-huh. I, I I listen to my music. We recently moved back into the centre of, of town uh, where I live in Taunton, and uh, our garden is slightly smaller than we're used to. So I got myself allotment uh, back in the autumn time. So it's actually wow. very good timing given given the current situation. And I and I spend some time up there, particularly weekends, just doing a bit of. Uh, uh, you know, gardening, um, and and that's that's a real opportunity just to 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 chill out, really. Yeah. Um, that that that's that's you know, I think it's as important to have time out of thinking about work and, and other worries as. So uh, my my allotment's going to be it's helping with that. I also bake bread. That's a oh, that's a, that's love a, it. Yeah. So I I it was a it was a christmas present a few years ago from my brother-in-law he taught me how to make sourdough and uh, that's certainly become in handy over the last uh, five or six weeks uh, and uh, yeah again that's just time out for myself and an opportunity just to do a bit of uh, um, uh, baking and uh, and uh, you get a good uh, got a product at the end of it yeah well on both counts the allotment as well that kind yes. of sustaining you you and your family by growing your own. I love that. Absolutely. And, and there's, there's a real mindfulness practice to both of those things, isn't there? Because with the making of the bread, you, you've got the kneading that yeah. you do and you kind of, kind of lose yourself in that. And the same with the planting and the tending to the crops and things. It's it's You're very much in the moment, aren't you, when you're doing those things? Absolutely. And I think it's really crucial. And I know it's interesting that, gardening and baking seems to be the two activities that have, have really taken off totally. over the last month um and you know it was something i was doing before but uh, yeah i i think it's a fantastic uh, uh, pastime for people to for their own mindfulness you know you, you absolutely takes you out and takes you out and and that's for me as well as thinking about um, the here and now because i think one of the things for me as as a person, you very much think about the future, both from a family perspective, but also from an organisation. You know, from a you know, we we use you know, in obviously business business plans and yeah. corporate plans and you know, risks registers, oh, and it's all about you know the future. But mm. actually, what what now is telling me, and uh, the last few weeks telling me, it's, it's very important about the here and now, and and responding to the here and now. So uh, that that's been really valuable a lesson for me. Yeah, and this is why you're so calm. You've got this real calm era about you, and and it's obviously coming from all of this mindfulness practice. I try to be calm. Yeah, <laughs> but I do. I think it's important to be calm. It's even lovely. even even if you aren't necessarily calm inside, I think if you can give a, an air of calmness and confidence to your team, and again, our, you know, 
ask the right question and challenge them. I mean, in fact, one of our values mm -hmm. in the organization is challenging. Okay. I think that's really important as well. Yeah, but challenge for me in the right way. Challenge it in the right way. But you've just made a statement there and made something sound really easy that isn't easy, which is even if you're not feeling calm on the inside, you, you put across an air of that to your team or whoever you're, you're engaging with. How do you do that? Because that's going to be gold dust for so many people. How do I do it? I suppose yeah. the, the, I'd answer that by saying, why do I do it, first of all? And then I, that leads, I guess, to, Go for to, it. to the how I do it. I think why I do it is because I, I think um, you get the best response out of people if you uh, you ask uh, and deal with someone in a calm way. That doesn't mean you can't ask a directed question or a probing question, but I think you get the best out of people. Mm. So how I do it is, um, if I guess, that personal contact Firstly, I want to understand the issue. So, I, so a lot of people, I think, make, make the mistake of jumping in if there's a problem or issue, making assumptions of why it's happened, or you know, um, and often, you know, if people, you know, go into foot, it is because they don't understand. So, I try and get as much as I can uh, an overview, and that might be on my own. That might be just reading and analysing what I've been sent, or it may just be talking. To the individual to start with to get a better feel yeah. and that, once you once i've got that information i can then deal with it uh i hope in a in a calm way i think sometimes you know there are times when we all kind of will jump to <laughs> to, to the to, to, to a conclusion <laughs> yeah. but what i try and do is is jump to that conclusion in my own dialogue before having that dialogue with somebody else or or individually or with a group of people. It's a great point. So so what you're saying there is taking the time actually to gather the information such that you can close any gaps that are potentially yes. causing the panic or potentially causing the fear or the unknown. Yeah. And you can do that quite quickly. Isn't this is yeah. again, this is not spending hours and hours and it's about doing it as quickly as you possibly can decisively and then and then having those conversations and uh, dealing with an issue yeah I like that so gather the information and then you can take the next step to understand what you've got to do differently as a team together I think there's something in there about breathing as well and and you know just being able to breathe in a calm way sends signals up to the brain that says all is well even if your thoughts are telling you that all isn't well and I can tell just from from watching you now that you have that calm breathing technique that you know keeps everything in your system fine and yeah. you know telling you that everything's well so that's good and and we're at the point now where your heart rate is going to start going up <laughs> because we are going to play the five second rule game excellent now this is where the pressure really starts to mount because you'll just have five seconds to give me three answers five. to these questions and you're preparing yourself now in your chair i can see it <laughs> heart rate's increasing it's all going yeah. on you're ready so <laughs> in the five second game rule can you give me three things that you can do to perk up your mood oh uh certainly music sometimes it can be lively music sometimes it can be calming classical music but i love music fresh air whether that's going for a walk or going up my allotment and chat i i, I think chat talking to people that could be family, that could be friends. Sometimes that, you know, that could be talking to someone as you uh, 
or, or wave to someone across the field in our in our in our two meter social distance. <laughs> but I love I love to chat, and that's that's what I've really missed that face to face chat. But that mm. that certainly increased my mood over the last uh, four or five uh, weeks. I love that. So, what's your favourite song? My favourite song. My favourite song is by a band called the Goo Goo Dolls, and it's called Iris. Uh, my um, husband likes those. They're great. I, I went to see them once in concert. We nearly missed the beginning of the concert uh, uh, because my friend wanted a, another drink in the bar. And <laughs> we managed to get there for the first song. And it happened to be that was the song that they they opened the show with. So um, I've got very fond memories of that song. <laughs> and it makes you happy, I can tell. And yeah. we'll do another one because you're good at this. So are you ready? Second yeah. one. So in the five second game rule, can you give me three things that you would take to a desert island? Oh, desert island. Um, I'll take an outdoor cinema. I love going to the movies. And I just thought of sitting on a desert island with a, with a, with a white blanket <laughs> and watching... All the movies that have ever been made would be great. I'd love a fridge full of cold drinks. One thing about Desert Island, it sounds like it's hot, so cold drinks. I've got to have Boom. a fridge with cold drinks. And I would take my, at this moment, my lockdown family because um, to, to keep the government guidelines. <laughs> Brilliant. So family... Cold drinks, I'm guessing there'll be beer involved in that. Uh, certainly, but after six o'clock. Absolutely. Six o'clock, cold, <laughs> cold, cold sodas. In the cinema experience. I love that. You're the first yes. person who's taken a cinema, and I'm all for that. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. So you've, you've survived the five-second game world challenge Brilliant. and remained calm throughout. <laughs> so you're ready now to answer the killer question. And the right. killer question is, in your view, what is the absolute secret to success? Oh, I think for me, there's, a, there's two things, really. There's, there's having the credibility um, as an individual. And I think that's built on experience, um, expertise. And, and for me, just being genuine. So mm -hmm. you, you, you build that credibility. And the second thing for me is energy. Yes. Having the enthusiasm, but also having that commitment and, and going back to the discussion earlier about, about drive. And I think encompassing all of that for me, and going back to what I said earlier on about people, uh, I don't think any anybody or any team, but certainly any individual can be a success without the people and the culture around them. So we spend a lot of time within Gold Lane Housing nurturing that culture, nurturing our people. Um, we We... We do a lot of work around making sure that our, our staff are engaged. Um, and, uh, yeah, people, yeah, absolutely number one. So credibility, but combine that with energy, because there's plenty yeah. of people who have credibility who are walking through life fast asleep. So you want the energy as well and that love of people. And, and what has definitely come across during this podcast is the fact that you are very heart-led in terms of the way that you connect and lead. Um, and that's the future, in my my opinion, in terms of where we need to be going as organisations and putting our people first. So it's been a pleasure to hear you talking about that. And thank you for sharing and being so honest. Oh, my, my pleasure, Angela. It's been a delight. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you very much. And you take care. Yeah, you too. I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, 
be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode. And do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.